Thanks for checking out the weekly sermon from Church of the Resurrection. We pray that God will use this message to speak to you and help you grow in your faith journey. We'd like to invite you to join us next week at one of our services, whether in live worship online at court.org live or in person at one of our locations in the Kansas City area. Church of the Resurrection is one church in multiple locations. To learn more about our service times and ministries, please visit core.org. We hope you enjoy this message. My name is Cheryl Jefferson Bell, serving as one of the pastors here. And as we continue in worship, I invite you to hear these words of scripture. Our first passage today is from Exodus. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And in Proverbs 6, we read, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And in Ephesians 4, we hear these words. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. May God add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and understanding of Scripture. One of these men made headlines when he started out looking for treasure and ended up as a guest of Fidel Castro. What is your name, please? My name is Bernie Nistad. My name is Bernie Nistad. My name is Bernie Nistad. Only one of these men is the real Bernie Nistad. The other two are imposters and will try to fool this panel. Tom Poston, one of the fairest of the My Fair Ladies, Sally Ann Howes, Johnny Carson, and Kitty Carlisle. On to Tell the Truth with your host, Bud that was from a 1962 episode, the beginning of it, in, uh, in To Tell the Truth. That show ran from the 50s on into the 70s, and then it was recreated again, and I think in the 80s, and then again in the 90s. And for the last six years, it's been running on ABC.com and hosted by Anthony Anderson. So this is the, the latest iteration of it. And it's actually a pretty fun show to watch, although, of course, those shows from the 60s have advertisements for all kinds of things we wouldn't advertise today, including cigarettes there. But... but uh, the reason why I chose that clip, uh, and you ought to watch one of the episodes sometimes, they really, even those old ones are, are fascinating. But the reason why I chose that clip is because today we're talking about truth and lies. We're talking about technology and misinformation, disinformation, fake news. And we're trying to figure out how do we, how do we separate the truth from the lies and how do we make sure that we're using our technology to spread the truth and to stand against the lies. So that's where we're heading today in the sermon. I'm looking forward to this message. And, and as we do this, I want to mention, uh, I read a lot of research this week on how often people lie. How often do you think the average American lies? In a day, in a day. And, and the latest survey said four times a day, the average American lies. And I'm like, come on, I don't lie four times a day. I try never to lie. I never want to lie. And then they said, well, this includes, you know, the kinds of things like when you come home and you're in a bad mood and your parents or your spouse or, you know, your siblings or whatever, uh, they say, well, you know, what's wrong? Why are, you, why are you so grumpy tonight? And you say nothing. Is it really nothing? Or is there something eating at you inside? Well, that nothing counts as uh, 
you know, a falsehood. It's, it's not true. You, it, there is something that's really eating at you. Or uh, things like this, when your spouse or your friend or somebody else says, your, you know, your coworker says, hey, do these genes make me look fat? <clears throat> now, what's the answer? I'll tell you with my spouse, the answer is, no, absolutely not. Now, I say that because I don't even have to look at her. I know she looks great no matter what. But, you know, there, there are times where I might ask that same question, you know, do my genes make me look fat? And, and I hope and pray that she tells me the truth. That she says, you know, those genes are not as flattering on you as some other genes. And I'm going to go change because I don't want to be wearing around genes that make me look, you know, fatter than I am. And so the, you know, the, the truth is that we're telling those kind of fibs fairly often. We call them little white lies. We don't mean any harm by them. We're actually trying to, it's just kind of like, you know, trying to get along, you know, with people. And, and so, and at the same time, most people would still rather be told the truth than, you know, than a falsehood. But, but those are the kind of things. And, and uh, Americans, I think it was something like 75% of Americans said that when they tell a lie, it's really just to not hurt somebody's feelings. And so we might call these the more noble of the kind of lies that, you know, that we tell one another. Then there's other kinds of lies that are a little bit different than that. They're lies that are aimed at, uh, at helping us, you know, kind of protect ourselves to uh, not get punished or not to feel guilty or bad or, or ashamed or, you know, something else. So, so ask a police officer, um, you know, when you stop people in the car, what are the, what are the kinds of things they say? What are the kind of excuses they make for uh, being stopped, for speeding? And you get some really interesting answers in which people are telling things that may have a fraction of the truth, but probably some things that are not so truthful about that. And there's a whole lot of other places. You're running late and you, you, know, you call people, let them know you're running, running late. And, and maybe you stretch the truth just a little bit in what you say, because you don't want to feel bad or guilty or like you were a crummy person for making everybody wait. And so these are the kind of things that happen. They shouldn't happen, but they do happen sometimes. But then we know that there are more serious uh, kinds of lies that we tell. And these are lies that actually have serious consequences for other people. It, it will hurt their feelings, but it may go beyond hurting their feelings. And now this isn't a lie that we're trying to protect their feelings. This is a lie that we know is gonna hurt somebody's feelings. Maybe we don't think about it. Uh, but sometimes it's even more serious than that. We have two people on our staff here at Resurrection who each were in prison for more than 25 years. And, uh, and they were arrested there was somebody who, uh, who claimed that they were the guilty party in something, it, in both cases, I think it was a murder. And, uh, and there was a prosecutor who didn't do their homework very well. And, uh, and there were people who were willing to lie because they were negotiating a, you know, their own uh, you know, early release from prison or something else. And, uh, and consequently, two people who were not guilty spent 25 and, and in one case over 30 years in prison because somebody lied and, and they only got out when there was somebody else who came forward or evidence came forward that, that they were not the one who was guilty of the crime and they were exonerated. But they lost 25 and 30 years of their life in prison because somebody told a lie, right? Somebody misrepresented the truth. And this is what in the Bible is talked about as false witness. Like we're claiming something about somebody else that isn't true. And you remember, this is one of the big 10, right? One of the big 10 commandments. We read the ninth commandment, actually. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. False witness against your neighbor. This is true not only of those crimes that could, you know, that could end up with somebody in jail or losing their life, but really in our daily lives, this should be the rhythm of our lives. Let's not bear false witness about somebody else. Let's try to tell the truth all the time because people get hurt when we lie. So we also find that, uh, that when in Deuteronomy, if you bore false witness against someone and they were found guilty of a crime and then it was discovered that you were the one who actually had lied about them, you were subject to the same penalty that they would have received, including and up to the death penalty for bearing false witness. All right, in Proverbs, we read these words and I think these are really powerful and very important as we talk about deception, misinformation, disinformation, fake news. There are six things the Lord hates six things Yahweh hates, seven that are detestable to him, 
haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness that pours out lies, and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. And often what we see is that people are bearing false witness, pouring out lies intentionally to stir up the community. Or what they say ends up having a huge impact on nations or, or communities or towns or churches. Now, humans have always struggled with dishonesty, both telling it and discerning it. And so the Bible starts in Genesis chapter two and three. We talked about this last week. But Genesis two and three, we find not only the story of Adam and Eve eating the forbidden fruit, that's what we focused on last week, but we find the serpent who is deceiving. The serpent is saying, God didn't really say that. God didn't really mean that. This isn't gonna be so bad if you eat the fruit. In fact, God's holding out on you. The very best part of life is, you know, comes when you eat from this fruit. The devil, the serpent is a liar. And he's gonna whisper things into your head or into your ears, and not literally, but you're gonna hear these thoughts that come into your mind. And when they're, they're thoughts of doing the wrong thing, they're never from God. And they're always you know, from that dark force in our world. And as we talk about personified in the idea of the devil or the serpent or Satan. And so you know, what we find is that, uh, is that this, uh, this voice that whispers to us ends up you know, leading us to do the wrong thing. And, and that's deception, right? So there's deception in the very beginning of the Bible. We get all the way to the end of the Bible and we find the same thing is true. We find in the book of Revelation that at the, last, the second to last chapter, chapter 21, now this is judgment day. And in chapter 21, in two different verses, it says that the people who will be excluded from heaven are the liars, those who breathe out falsehoods. Two verses say that. And instead they're cast into the lake of fire. I mean, Revelation is giving us from Genesis to Revelation, we're finding that deceit, dishonesty, and the consequences of it have deadly consequences for us in our lives. And so we're not to lie. God hates lies. We have to hear that today. Now, the problem is with technology. So we've always been this way. Human beings have always been this way where we have a tendency to protect ourselves and so to tell the, you know, a false truth, to, you know, a, a dishonesty, a lie, a falsehood. Uh, we have a tendency to, you know, to sometimes uh, you know, harm someone else with our words. Like we just want to discredit them a little bit so that we look a little bit better. And there's all kinds of ways that we end up lying, you know, and, and this has happened from the beginning of time, right? What's happening today with, with our technology is that we have, a, we have, and we talked about this last week, we have the ability to magnify, you know, what we're saying. You, you know, you see the cones that cheerleaders would use to, to shout out there. Well, that's in essence what we have with technology is we can take our, our lies and we share them on social media. And all of a sudden, it's not just me whispering this to somebody else. It's me whispering this to my 200 friends on social media or 10,000 friends or 60,000 friends or whatever. You're spreading falsehood that can, that can bring real harm to other people. And one of the studies that was done, so I'll just mention the technological age has magnified our ability to tell lies or spread false information and make it harder to discern the truth. That's what we're going to talk about in the rest of this message. So there was an MIT study that came out, I think it was last year, and it noted that false news spreads six times faster than true news. Imagine that. Why does it spread so much faster? Well, because the true news is kind of boring. There's nothing really that salacious about telling the truth. You know, it's something obvious. You've told the truth. Nobody's upset about it. You know, or, you know, it's been taken care of. You confessed it and somehow it's being addressed. But, but false news is often salacious. And what happens is when we read something, see something on social media that confirms our biases about this person or that person, whether it's politics or religion or, or something else in life, this business, like, you know, we see it, it's like, yes, I knew it. And then we begin to share that with a whole lot of other people. And again, it's so easy to share false information. All we have to do is click like, all we have to do is click retweet. All we have to do is, is with a click of a button, pass this on again to all of our friends who pass it on to their friends. And suddenly we find that we have been a part of the problem and not the solution. 
So misinformation is all around us. Some of it's simply wrong. Some of it's intentionally wrong. Often when it's simply wrong, it's that we passed on something that we didn't do the, take the time to do our homework on. And as Christians, we should have the integrity, if you're a Christian, even if you're not a Christian, I mean, as a human being, we should have the integrity to say, I'm not gonna say anything out there about anybody else that I haven't checked on and, and researched to make sure it's really true. And often we shouldn't say anything anyway, right? And our mom's taught us that. If you can't say anything good about somebody, don't say anything at all. But man, we are masters of doing just the opposite of that. All of us, yeah, I've even done it over time. And I'm guessing you have at some point, even the nicest, kindest of you at some time, at some point has have retweeted something or shared something. And maybe it was before technology came along, but we find that this is a problem for all of us. I've seen this in the church more recently. So it happens in churches. It's happened throughout the history of time. You know, some were called, uh, you know, uh, heretics and there were others who were the orthodox. And, and so, you know, this labeling of each other and saying things that are not necessarily true of each other. Sometimes they are, sometimes they're not. Right now in the United Methodist Church, as many of you know, there's a division happening. There's a, a number of churches that are leaving to start a new denomination. Some of them are leaving just to become independent churches. And, uh, and so far we have about, we had about January of last year, about 30,000 churches about 2,000 have left so far. So it's not like a mass number of them, but there's about 2,000. A lot of them are small churches. Some of them are larger churches. Half of them have joined a new denomination. Half of them have become independent churches. But what's been interesting is to see how, you know, and I understand you go to start a new church, you're gonna wanna share why, sh why should anybody come join our church? So just say it. Just say, here are the real reasons why we're leaving. And, uh, but the real reasons have become something different than what they were a few years ago, in my opinion. And, and today, so, I get questions from people across the country on social media who say, Pastor Adam, my pastor told me, or this person told me that the United Methodist Church no longer believes in the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, or the United Methodist Church no longer believes in the divinity of Jesus, or the United Methodist Church no longer believes in the resurrection. And I'll just tell you this is what I tell them. These things are absolutely not true. They're not true. The United Methodist Church has a clear doctrinal statement and standards, and we believe in all of those things. And so now people might have questions here or there. Of course, we're allowed. In fact, we're in a church that encourages you to use your brain and ask questions. We want that to happen. But these are the things that we stand on. These are the truths, the historic essentials of the Christian faith. And that is still a part of who we are as United Methodists. And it's virtually impossible to change in our denomination. But that doesn't stop people from sharing these things. This is what's gonna happen. I mean, we're the church of the resurrection. Are we gonna stop believing in the resurrection? We not only believe it, we're counting on it. But, you know, this spreads. And then how do you stop a rumor like that? And so you can say, no, we aren't. I've said that across the country. No, we're not. I've written all kinds of things about this. No, we're not. This is what we believe. We're gonna hold on to those things. I don't hear anybody saying they wanna change those things, but my gosh, once somebody whispers that to somebody else who whispers it to somebody else, posts it on social media, what you find is a whole lot of people are afraid. What's happened to my church? I think we better go join that other church because you know we're not gonna believe that anymore. And just in case you've ever heard that, I just wanna tell you that is fundamentally not true. That is another, you know, another example of misinformation or disinformation designed to lead people away from the church that they've been a part of for their whole lives. We don't see that very much here at Resurrection, but I hear it from folks across the country and it's sad. All right, so in a recent survey of Americans, 38.2% of Americans reported having inadvertently shared something that they passed on without checking to find out if it was really true. So you see that in this chart. Almost 40% of Americans say, yes, I have shared accidentally news that wasn't true. And some said, no, I've never accidentally shared uh, fake news. So maybe they shared, shared it on purpose. Maybe they never did. You know, my hope is never to do that. So well done for those 35% who've never done that. But nearly 40% have said they have. Some say, I don't share anything at all. And uh, some say, I don't know if I have or not. I'm not really sure if what I shared was true or wasn't true. But you get, begin to get a sense that a large number of people, at least, well, roughly 40% of Americans, who have shared information that they later found out was not true. We have got to do better than that. And Christians have to do better than that.
because God hates deception. God hates falsehood. The people who are, you know, who, who spread lies are actually kept out of the kingdom of heaven and into, cast into the lake of fire. I mean, all of those are ways of saying that this is simply not okay with God, that we pass on false information. All right, so uh, when I asked you as a congregation uh, to take a survey about this, I think there was 3,700, might've been a little less than that, people who took the survey. And what we found was that 77% of you said your number one concern when it came to the internet and technology was misinformation. All right, I spoke to Judy Thomas this week. Judy is a, is a reporter with the Kansas City Star, a journalist with the Kansas City Star. She's been there a very long time. She is highly respected in the journalistic community. She, is a, she cares deeply about what she does. She sees it as her mission as a follower of Christ to tell the truth, to help find the truth, to shed light in dark places. And, uh, and so, you know, she does that and she does it really well. Award-winning journalist. And I, I uh, spoke to her and I said, you know, Judy, you know, this is what I'm preaching on this weekend. And I'm just wondering, as a journalist, how do you discern truth from fiction? How do you make sure that what you're sharing is not fake news, but is actual truth? You know, and, and what should we do as Christians in order to make sure we're doing the same thing, that we're not passing on false information? This is what she said. She said, uh, she said here's just a couple of things. Before hitting send or share, please take time to really look at the information. If it sounds outrageous, that's often because it is. Are there any sources cited to back it up? And if so, are they credible? Is there a way to contact the source? Is there any document, in other words, is there an email connection somewhere back to the source? Is there any documentation provided to support the allegations? And what is your motive for sharing it? When used properly, she says, social media can be a great means of informing the public, exposing wrongdoing and holding those in power accountable. But using it to spread rumors and falsehoods or to carry out a personal vendetta against someone else can have devastating effects. I was, uh, I was researching this and one of the sites that I came upon was the International Federation of Library Associations and Institutions. And I want you to see this. this is, I thought this was a great set of data. And you can take a picture of the screen right now, if you'd like, or of you know, wherever you are, just, just try to write this down. Consider the source. I mean, this is all very simple stuff. Click away from the story to investigate the site, its mission, and, the con and its contact information. So look to see if there's any reviews about that organization to see, are they generally known as truthful or not? What's their vantage point or their perspective, their biases? Read beyond. So headlines can be outrageous in an effort to get clicks. What's the whole story? Check the author. Do a quick search on the author. Are they credible? Are they real? Uh, supporting sources. Look to see on those links, you know, the, the footnotes. Uh, look to see if the information given actually supports the story that has that, uh, that as a footnote. I found many stories that have no footnotes, no sources for the information they're giving. Check the date. Reposting old news, uh, old news stories doesn't mean they're relevant to current events. Is it a joke? There's some uh, satirical, you know, organizations out there who make up stories and, and some of them they do it for fun and some of them they do it because that's how they make their money. But is it really a joke? Check your biases. Consider if your own beliefs could affect your judgment. And finally, ask the experts you know, find out whether it's a librarian, this was produced by the Library Association, or someone else, you know, go to a fact check uh, site. A fact check site will, will uh, you know, allow you to look to see and research, uh, this is the thing I'm wondering about, and it'll bring up articles. Sometimes it'll bring you pro-con. Sometimes it'll say, okay, we've done the research, here's what we have. Now, it's true that sometimes uh, fact checkers themselves have biases, but generally speaking, you're going to find a counterpoint to what you might have read, and then you get to decide, do I believe the counterpoint or do I, do I believe uh, what the... Um, you know, what the article actually said. And so I'm going to mention a couple of those websites that you might go to. Now, you might have a problem with one of these or another of them. I generally find them to be accurate, but of course, even these I check out to make sure. But politifact.com is one of them. Factcheck.org is another. And snopes.com. And if it's a debatable issue, you might go to ProCon and see what they say on both sides of an issue. 
All right. So I want to mention that technology is racing forward so fast and doing things today that we just never thought possible 10 years ago and making it even harder to separate truth from fiction. And so on, in these cases in particular, you really need to, do, need to do your research. There's something called deep fakes. And deep fakes is a technology, artificial intelligence, intelligence technology, that allows you to manipulate somebody who's speaking or maybe even just a photograph and make them be able to speak. But often it's some video clip of somebody who is speaking. And then what they do is they superimpose upon the face the movements of someone else who's speaking and change the language or change the words that are being spoken. And this is funny and kind of a joke people think, uh, but then when you actually get into it, you find some of the perils related to deep fake technology. So one of those uh, we saw last year, um, Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, and he gets up and he gives a speech calling for everyone to lay down their weapons in Ukraine and that he's abdicating the presidency. Take a listen. <laughs> What would have happened if a large number of people had not only seen this, because many saw it, but had actually believed it? I mean, there was something, there were people who immediately believed it and they were terrified. And then immediately, you know, once it was found out, Zelensky comes on and, and he says, you know, this is the technology. I think this is what he said. This is the technology. This is not, this was not what I said. Let me tell you what I said. And it was taken from another speech, said something almost the opposite of what he was saying in this speech. Who did this? Probably Russia. But you begin to see that you can see with your own eyes somebody who you clearly recognize saying something that's not true and something they never said and the possible consequences would have been devastating in Ukraine. We have to do our homework. We have to ask questions. We have to research. We have to be skeptical when we see things that seem, seem outrageous to ask the right questions of what we see. All right, that leads me to our third point, and that has to do with cybercrime and being duped. So we've all experienced cybercrime of one kind or another. If you have email, you have experienced this at some point. Maybe you haven't. Maybe you're in a place where you don't really have that many contacts, but, uh, but uh, most of us have. So almost every morning, actually, I would say every morning, I receive emails first thing in the morning, and those emails are telling me that I've just won a Yeti cooler. Cool, I'd love to have a Yeti cooler. Never bought one, they were, but you know, okay. So you go on there, you open up the email and you find that all you gotta do is click here and you give them their, your information and they're going to send you a Yeti cooler. Uh, yeah, right. So when you click on the link, of course, it is, then, uh, it is then accessing your computer through this link and you can find that, that suddenly you've got a virus on your computer that's gonna do even more bad stuff, malware they call it. That's, that's because you clicked on the wrong link. So then you wanna get out of that. So you go to click unsubscribe at the bottom but unsubscribe, unsubscribe doesn't unsubscribe you. It actually gives you another kind of virus. And so we find this all the time. I uh, generally, I know, and I just, you know, I, I try to block them and put them in my junk file so that computer recognizes them, but they keep coming up with new ways of doing this. This week, I received a email from FedEx. Now, let me just show you uh, what it looked like. So this is the email from FedEx and there's a, there's a package coming. And I'm like, huh, what did I order? What did Levon order? I don't remember ordering anything that was coming to buy FedEx, but maybe so. So, you know, you don't want to miss your, your delivery, so you're going to click on confirm. Except, and it looks like it's from FedEx, except you might just go, I better check this out a little bit. Now, if you don't cl click on that, you could click on unsubscribe. They both do the same thing. They're both going to give you malware, uh, bad stuff on your computer. So instead, what I always do is I always click up here. And when I clicked up there, I found that the actual email address said nothing about FedEx, but came from somebody named Mina Yusuf. And I'm pretty sure that this email address was not 
a document that came from FedEx. Right. But, you know, had I not checked, had I not done my homework, I would have found myself uploading a virus or maybe it was going to ask for my, my credit card or something else. All right. So uh, I also, so I think of social media, Facebook is an example. On Facebook, it's notorious for allowing people to create a new account and they just change my middle name. Instead of Adam J. Hamilton, I'm Adam M. Hamilton or something else. And so it doesn't get tripped up by Facebook's, you know, uh, software to, to protect things like this from happening. So they create a new one. They spell the name just a, a little bit differently. They take my picture and they paste it from my Facebook page into this new one. And they take some of the pictures I have and they take some of my articles that I have and they, they paste those in there. And then they start inviting people to be, uh, to say, you know, would you be my friend? I'd like for you to be my friend. And so people sign up. They're like, cool, Adam wants to be my friend. He wants to follow me. I'm going to follow him. Now I'm already on his Pastor Adam Hamilton page, but this is a personal page and this is pretty cool. And, uh, and you know, then he's going to find out more about me and we can be, you know, more connected. And, and, uh, and so people accept the friend invitation. When they accept a friend invitation from what looks like me, they start getting emails or direct messages from somebody who calls themselves Adam Hamilton. And uh, when they send that message, they say things like, how can I pray for you? I really want to pray for you. Well, how sweet is that? Pastor Adam's going to pray for me personally. And, uh, and then uh, the next kind of email or direct message comes and it says, <clears throat> by the way, we have this mission trip going to Africa. And, you know, it'd be really awesome if you'd, if you'd you know, sign up to help and be a partner with me in ministry. And, and so click this link and you can donate. And then I, you know, that person gives you the credit card or sends you money that way. And, and you see the whole thing is just a total scam. I never, so I want you to know this, I never ask anybody to be my friend precisely because of this uh, of this, uh, the scamming that goes on. So if you get a friend request from me, it's not coming from me. It is not me reported as somebody who is a fake Adam Hamilton, if you don't mind, because I don't want anybody to get hurt by this. And inevitably, you know, every week or every two weeks, somebody does this and they manage to get 20 followers before finally I find out about it and I, and I report it and take it off, the, off Facebook. So report it directly and then send me a message and let me know. And this I need you to know, I will never ever on social media ask you for money. So we just don't do that. I'm not gonna do that. So if somebody asks and claims to be me, you know it's a fake because I'm never gonna do that on social media. All right, and, and only members ever get emails from me through the congregation uh, when it's stewardship time to invite you to turn in your pledge card or in my e-note, I'll say something about it's food drive time, like it is starting today, something like that. All right, so that leads me to, uh, to conspiracies. And actually before that, I wanna say this. I love this in Matthew 10, 16. Jesus says, look, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves, therefore be wise as snakes and innocent as doves. What does he mean? Why is the snakes? I mean, that was a metaphor in Jesus' day, a, 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 you know, a saying that had to do with be smart, be crafty, be intelligent when it comes to people trying to deceive you or trying to say things that aren't true or, or what you see going on in your world around you. Jesus calls us to do this. Be wise as serpents and gentle or innocent as doves. That leads me to the last point. And, uh, and this is about conspiracies. So conspiracy theories have always been around. I suppose you find even in the book of Revelation, there's a, there's a kind of hidden reference to a conspiracy thought or you know, something that many people believed in the Roman empire at that time. And so, uh, so, you know, it's not surprising that there are false, you know, conspiracies today. And what a conspiracy is, is generally what we mean by conspiracy theory is there's something that happened and there, here is the standard explanation and then uh, somebody else says, no, that can't be right. It's gotta be this. And they come up with something much more sinister. Now, occasionally somebody comes up with another theory and it's right. That wouldn't be a conspiracy theory so much. Maybe we'd think of it that way at first. Occasionally that's true. And that's what happens. Generally speaking, the conspiracy theories we're talking about are things that, you know, that, that come from a place of fear. They are, they are uh, 
often outrageous about, well, examples, you know some of them, that 9-11 didn't really happen, or 9-11 was planned by the United States, or nobody walked on the moon, and that was just reconstructed in a Hollywood sound studio. And there's a lot of other things like that. The earth is really flat. It's not really round, and, and that's not so much a conspiracy theory, but just a, just, I don't know what you'd call it. But anyway, so these kind of ideas take hold, and you know, they spread so fast. And there's something about us, innately, we're wired to be suspicious. That's part of how we protect ourselves. We, we look around for possible threats. And when we start sharing, you know, conspiracy theories, this, this sort of appeals to that part of us that is afraid that, that the world is not safe. Life is not safe. And we don't know what to believe and we don't even know where to research and go. And, and sometimes, you know, we are suspicious of the government or we're suspicious of some organization. And so we find ourselves drawn to conspiracy theories. And there's been a lot of them in the last few years. That used to be somebody had a conspiracy theory, and unless they had access to a newspaper or could write a book and get it published, it was hard to get traction with a conspiracy theory. But, but today, it's super easy. You come up with an idea, and, it's, and it appeals to people's innate fears, and, and then you begin to share it. It, it then ties into their biases. So it, it confirms their biases that this particular political candidate is bad, or this particular CEO, or this pastor, or this organization, or movement, or whatever it might be, you know, that there's something sinister about them. And people begin to not only believe it, but it's so easy to share your conspiracy theory online today. So you pass it on through social media. You share it, you know, from your, if you have a website. There's, there's just lots of ways, you know, you talk about it on YouTube. And what's interesting is that the most sinister conspiracy theories spread often like wildfire because people are really interested in something salacious. And maybe again, it appeals to their, to their fundamental biases. And so we've seen a lot of these. And, and I just remind you, in, you know, as we look into what Scripture says, in 1 John 4, 1, it says this, Dear friends, don't believe every spirit. Now, he's writing to the church. And the spirit was presumably the Holy Spirit coming through the mouths of people in the church itself. And he says, don't believe every spirit. Test the spirits to see if they are from God, because many false prophets have gone into the world and even into the churches in the first century, the first generation of Christians. And yet there were Christians who probably earnestly believed this impulse, this feeling they had, this thought that they had in their mind, that it came from the Holy Spirit, but it wasn't true. And it ended up hurting people. And they're like, when you hear in worship, somebody stand up and they're, they're gonna give a prophetic word from God, be careful about that because those prophetic words are not always from God and they end up hurting people. And you remember what God thinks about people who are saying something, especially in God's, day, God's name. Now we're, now we're looking at the third commandment, which talks about not misusing God's name, not taking it in vain. And so people in God's name are saying things that aren't true. False prophets in the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament, we find them throughout the Old Testament. People saying things, often they worked for the king and they said what the king wanted to hear instead of what was really true. And sometimes we can do that and not even know we're doing it. And, and that was certainly the case within the Bible. There's a couple of examples of this I think about. Uh, one of them was in 2020. So there'd been a lot of conspiracy theories in the last few years spread like wildfire with technology. And, uh, and part of my point here, just to be clear, is for us to do our homework, for us to check and research and test the spirits and see if this is really true or not. Because otherwise, if we're spreading something that's not true and it's a conspiracy theory that ignites the hearts of people and then turns people against one another or, or causes some kind of terrible harm or crimes to be committed or you know, whatever it might be, like we played a part in that simply by passing on this information. We are culpable and held accountable by God for this. So I was thinking about in 2020, there was a pastor in Kentucky and uh, I think it was a Pentecostal church and, and he began having, I don't believe he was theologically trained. He was, uh, began having these dreams. 
And in these dreams, they seemed pretty vivid and it was interesting. They all tied into the election and to things that were going on in our country at the time. And, and so this is the summer, started in June, went through July, through August. And, and he's having these dreams and he, and he goes online and he, he records his testimony and there are people who hear it and it's pretty salacious. And, and when they hear it, they begin thinking, well, maybe this is true. What if this is true? And so they, you know, and he seems like a, if not reasonable, at least like a person who's trying to do the right thing. And, and, uh, and so I remember during this time, I had a number of people at Resurrection who somehow their friends sent this video to them and they sent it to me and said, Pastor Adam, is this true? Do you really think this is true? I appreciated them sending me these. So, uh, so the dreams were political and they were also uh, apocalyptic. They tied in with things that are in the book of Revelation and they sort of tie into the end times. And so uh, th- these are just some of the things that happened in the July, I think it was in the June and July videos. I went back and watched several of them. Um, so in these prophetic dreams, five months before the presidential elections, um, President Trump had been reelected, but then he saw in another v- uh, dream, Hillary Clinton tried to kill President Trump and then she got her legs stuck in a bear trap and then a, and then a truck came over and ran over her. And then, and then liberals were burning things and conservative Christian pastors were being arrested and hauled before judges who for- forbade them from preaching against gay people. Crowds of young adults surrounded churches to light them on fire. The Chinese and Russians had troops in America and the cities were burning. Uh, they were controlling our country. Unemployment reached 50%. And his dreams warned Americans that we needed to brace ourselves for all these things that were coming soon. Well, none of those things happened. Not one of them happened. But he got 1.2 million views before people finally realized, hey, wait, that's actually, none of this has come true. How did, they get, how did he get 1.2 million views except for Christians shared it with other Christians who shared it with other Christians? And a lot of people got scared and had you know, their politics confirmed, their biases confirmed by what they thought was a word from the Lord in this man's dreams. We've gotta be better than this as Christians. Okay, Proverbs 14, by the way, technology is awesome. I love technology. You know, we can use it for so many good things, but if we're not careful, the human condition that we struggle with is just magnified when you put a computer or a cell phone, a, a smartphone or a tablet in front of us. So I want to end with these two thoughts. Proverbs 14, 15 <clears throat> says this, the naive believe anything, but the prudent give thought to their steps. Let's not be naive. Let's be prudent. And let's also be the people, maybe this doesn't really apply to us, but it can apply to us when we speak up and we hear something and say, you know, I just don't think that's true. And I've done the research on this and this is what I found. For somebody to be able to speak up and say, hey, this isn't right. I've done the research. I've done the homework. And I simply don't believe this is true. That has to be, what we're like as followers of Jesus Christ, that other people aren't being hurt by the misinformation around us. And then I love this, what Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. And what is the truth? Well, ultimately there are facts underneath all of these stories I'm telling you about, but beneath all of those is the one whose very life and teachings is the essence of truth. And that is Jesus. So I wanna live my life in a way that honors him I wanna live my life in a way that serves him. I don't wanna live my life that expresses his love, his light, his joy. I wanna love my neighbors, but I also wanna love my enemies. And I wanna love the people who hold different political views than I do. And I wanna assume the best of people, not the worst of them. But when it comes to things that sound a little outrageous, I wanna assume that maybe this not, might not be true and I at least need to do my homework. All right. So I wanna show you my favorite computer. These computers won't be behind me next week. And most of what you see behind me, uh, they are not the computers that I've had the last few weeks. These are my favorite computers in my collection of Apple computers. These are my favorites. Uh, This is the very first Apple uh, Macintosh. It was first called an Apple Lisa. Uh, This is the uh, 10th or 25th anniversary Mac. 
And uh, if you ever watched Seinfeld in 1998, you saw one of these on his desk the whole time. Uh, the first Apple to run by a battery. This is the Mac television, and uh, they only made it for one year. These are kind of collectible uh, computers. And I really like all these computers. I have them on display in my office or in my home. But can I just show you the favorite computer I have? I mean, this is the computer I love the most. And I shared it with you in the first sermon in the series. The one that Stella made for me as a Christmas present. And she handmade every one of the buttons and she, you know, put it in the kiln. And I just love this little computer that she made. And can, can you see again what it says? I love you. Like the idea I take from this is that the technology is meant to help us spread Christ's love in the world. We are not meant to do anything that is inconsistent with love. And I wanna ask you, is that true for you? We can use our technology to spread gossip, lies, misinformation, or we can use it to spread love. Which will you do? Let's pray. God, we thank you for the gift of technology. We thank you for your love. We thank you for everything. And we pray that you would help us. Help us to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. Help us to not be gullible or naive, but to be smart and do our research and do our homework. And help us, O oh Lord, not to be used even inadvertently to cause harm to others by passing on things that simply aren't true. So use us, we pray, to speak the truth, to live the truth, to follow you, Jesus, who are the way, the truth, and the life. In your holy name, amen. Thank you for watching this week's sermon. We'd love for you to join us again for live worship online or in person. To learn more about Church of the Resurrection, please visit core.org. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.